0: This is a podcast from the South China Morning Post.
1: Hey everyone, welcome back to a new episode of Inside China Tech. So the big news in this week's China Tech scene is Tuan Dianping's earnings result as well as you know news that they are paring back sort of their mobile operations in international markets. So today I have with me Michael Norris who is a Shanghai-based consultant who regularly consults and writes about companies like Meituan and Alibaba's Ulama. And so yeah, let's listen to what he has to say. Let's get right into it. Hey Michael, how are you doing? I'm well, thank you. And yourself? Yes, very good. So, today we are very happy to have you on to talk about this very sort of famous business model that a lot of Chinese tech companies have. So, it's this uh platform ecosystem model. So, maybe Michael, if you could do us a favor and tell us what this model is exactly.
0: Yeah, sure. So, in the tech world, we use the term platform a lot. Uh when I'm talking to clients about China, I tend to talk in terms of super apps and ecosystems. So, In the U.S., mobile experiences are unbundled, uh, and so both enterprise and consumers have figured out how to navigate standalone mobile apps to get what they want. So uh, Facebook, Messenger, YouTube, Yelp, Venmo all exist separately. But in China, these super apps uh, bundle these different services together and experiences are accessed through um, a super app. So uh, the best example is probably WeChat, uh, which is a, a, an internet Swiss army knife that has everything from messaging to payments to maps, et cetera, all housed within this one super app. And then the super apps themselves are housed in ecosystems. So um, the part of the Chinese internet that Tencent owns or operates is its ecosystem. And that's ex- enclosed experiences that make it easy to Uh, accomplish certain tasks uh, with the precondition being that the tasks occur within the set of apps or super apps owned by one digital giant or their partners. So for instance, it's easy to click from a Weibo post to Tmall. And that's because both of these apps exist in Alibaba's ecosystem, but it's slightly more complicated to do the same thing if you want to go from Tmall Uh, If you want to go, sorry, from WeChat to Tmall or Little Red Book to Tmall because they don't exist in the same ecosystem.
1: Okay, so just a disclaimer here, SCMP is owned by Alibaba. But also, um, yeah, so earlier you mentioned that so for companies like Tencent and like Alibaba, they kind of operate within their own ecosystem. So is that also to say that these companies operate different, say, like entertainment businesses or travel services or like food deliveries, like they operate their own and it's all within one ecosystem and they're often rivals of each other. Is that uh, right to say?
0: Yeah, that's exactly, that, that's quite fair. So for instance, uh, in China, we've got our two sort of food delivery or on-demand services heavyweights. Uh, on the Tencent side, uh, we have Meituan Dianping. And then on the uh, on the Alibaba side, we have Erlama. And uh, you can tell that the ecosystem runs through each because of their preferred payment partner. So the preferred payment partner of Erlama is Alipay, and that's because they exist in the Alibaba ecosystem. Uh, and on the other side, when it comes to Meituan Ping, their preferred payment partner is WeChat Pay. Uh, and again, that's a function of the fact that they exist in the Tencent ecosystem.
1: Okay, so with Meituan and Ulama, you know, they're both very similar. They both deal a lot with food. What are some of the major sort of differences between these two platforms?
0: So I think the major um, difference going forward will be uh, Meituan's uh, software as a service solution for its restaurant partners. Uh, So it's looking to uh, develop that quite strongly. Ulama is looking to develop a similar solution, but I don't think it has um, the same... Uh, scale and investment behind it to be able to catch up. Instead, Ulama, I think, is moving towards being uh, the logistics network for uh, a range of different services. I'm excited by its potential to offer uh, same day or even 30 minute delivery for e commerce orders. So, if we think about the way that Ulama is set up right now, it can do uh, both food delivery, it can do grocery delivery, and if we think if we just extend ourselves a little bit more, it could probably do e-commerce delivery as well. So dispatching deliveries from uh, Tmall or, or the Taobao marketplaces. And that would give uh, Tmall and, and Taobao customers the option potentially of getting their uh, product within the hour or waiting a couple of days via a regular courier service. Um, and again, if you're in a fix and you need something urgently, uh, the ability to be able to have that same day delivery, um, which is a feature that um, uh, Alibaba's competitor Jingdong has, but uh, Alibaba does not have at the moment. That's that. That seems like a logical place for Erlama to be able to develop and as well um, strengthen Alibaba's overall ecosystem and proposition to consumers.
1: What is the benefit actually for companies to sort of push this ecosystem model? Why Why is it so important for them to have users use? As many services as they want within this ecosystem.
0: I guess when it comes to China's digital giants, they have a fascination with uh, traffic, traffic being uh, the internet traffic and, and, and the users. And the idea is to service those users within um, a range of services without them going and giving traffic to your competitor. So I guess one of the key differences in terms of how uh, your China internet entrepreneurs and perhaps your internet entrepreneurs in the States, think about users and traffic is that um, Chinese entrepreneurs have uh, internet entrepreneurs have a fascination with ensuring that uh, even once uh, a user has finished that element of their transaction, then the next thing and then the next thing and the next thing that they go and do is facilitated by that partner ecosystem. Whereas in the U.S., um entrepreneurs are far more happy to design a great product and once that um uh the user has used the product then they're happy to see that traffic go so it's a it's i guess the difference if we were to sort of simplify it is just around how uh those two s- different sets of entrepreneurs conceptualize uh both tra- the acquisition and the retention of traffic
1: yeah so michael it really sounds to me like for China, they're very much more um, concerned about user stickiness, which is like if one user is able to be in one ecosystem and is able to do a range of things, whether it be calling a taxi or ordering food or playing games or messaging their friends, that they're more likely to then be compelled to use other services.
0: Yeah, that's right. And and of course, that has um, knock-on effects when it comes to monetization. So I guess your typical... A path to uh, monetization in a Chinese uh, in a Chinese internet entrepreneur's mind is first uh, get a bunch of users and then increase the user stickiness and then take that user stickiness to market so that you can get more ad revenue or that you can get uh, more in app spending and then boost those as part of your uh, next phase of growth.
1: Yeah, and that also helps with like uh, advertising, right? Like being able to compile like user data. Uh, or have an overview of how consumption is a thing so that they can better target advertisements.
0: Yeah, exactly. Uh, and of course, some, some data is uh, more valuable than others. So for instance, uh, if we're talking in the context of food platforms, understanding the food preferences of hundreds of millions of people across different districts is, of course, very valuable. But uh, when it comes to perhaps things like a, a personal mobility on a share bike, that data is less valuable. So, again, um, the value is determined by the service that you're accessing.
1: Cool. So, speaking of food delivery today, you know, we really want to do sort of a deep dive into what's happening with Meituan. So, with Meituan, we know that yeah. um, originally they started as primarily, I think, like a more Groupon sort of thing where they were, they were doing like group buying deals. And then they've eventually moved into food delivery, which I think is now their main sort of… Uh, Deal and their main rival is Olama, which also started out as food delivery uh platform but what's interesting right now is I think these two platforms have sort of evolved into more than just delivering food to people's doorsteps, so yeah, Michael, maybe you can tell us more about how these two companies have sort of evolved from just you know being like a platform where people order dinner or lunch
0: yeah, sure so. Uh I guess uh both uh, Meituan and Ulama are uh common insofar as they facilitate on demand food delivery. And they're they're common in, insofar as they've extend extended out to other on demand services. So this idea of um uh hotels, uh movie tickets, uh uh flowers, medicine, a- anything that you can think of that uh you might need in a fix. Um, you can pretty much uh, be serviced by one of these two apps.
1: And um, I understand um, that for Meituan specifically, they also had like a big partnership with Mobike. And recently there's been a lot of news about Meituan and Mobike. Uh, Would you be able to elaborate?
0: Before its listing uh, on the Hong Kong Stock Exchange last year, uh, Meituan acquired uh, Mobike. And uh, in my very humble estimation, that's been a bit of a disaster.
1: For listeners who don't know, Mobike is basically a bicycle sharing sort of uh company. So uh basically they Mobike and Ofo, they were these two big bike sharing companies where you could, you know, instead of having your own bike, you could just scan like a QR code and then rent a bike for half an hour and then just return it anywhere. So these two companies um basically expanded globally and tried to and it became like huge unicorns with lots of investment. However, um, yeah, there's been some issue with that. So Michael, over to you.
0: No, that, no, that's absolutely fine. So just um, a little bit of context for uh, your listeners. So uh, uh, just recently we had uh, Meituan Denping's, uh fourth quarter results come out. And so um, as part of that, we saw that one of the reasons why uh, Meituan's loss ballooned was actually Mobike. So uh, from its acquisition in April, April last year, Mobike has uh, led to around 4.6 uh, billion RMB in financial loss for Meituan. And as part of that, Meituan is trying to uh, is is trying to cut costs uh, uh, as aggressively as it can. So it's uh, retired some of the existing fleet to be able to um, uh, reduce maintenance costs. It's thinking about doing away with the Mobike app itself and then just housing it as part of Meet One to be able to um, reduce the sort of the development and the upkeep costs of the app. And um, recently, as you alluded to, it's also said that we're going to get rid of the international divisions. Uh, again, that's a cost-cutting measure. They've, they've got to be able to uh, stem the, the uh, I guess, stem the loss from uh, Mobike and and see if they can uh, try and narrow that gap between the revenue and the costs.
1: So I'm quite curious as to what do you think were these synergies that Meituan saw when they decided to acquire Mobike? So I think the best way
0: to contextualize Meituan's um, uh, mobility uh, play is that when we think about going to a restaurant or going out, which is, uh, again, Meituan's core business, is that you need some form of transportation to both get there and get back. And uh last year Meituan had two experiments in this respect. One was in Shanghai and 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 uh Nanjing. It um it deployed like an Uber-like um mobility solution. So so on-demand ride hailing to be able to f- facilitate that need. Um it ran up a massive bill in challenging uh, the incumbent Didi uh in both of those markets. Um uh but it was able to uh s- uh snatch away some market share um from 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 Didi. So uh so that was the on-demand uh ride share uh ride hailing and then it also um acquired Mobike which is uh as as you said it's a it's a share bike or more accurately a bike rental scheme which um uh, which you can you can rent a bike um, through a QR code. That was part of the mobility play as well. But what we found is that uh, both of these ventures are far more expensive than uh, Meituan had ever considered possible. So in in terms of its due diligence on thinking about the costs of both um, undertaking a ride-sharing scheme or acquiring or operating part of a, a shared bike or bike rental network, it seems that some of that homework wasn't done very well. Uh, so, when we're looking at the full year, um, uh, Mobike has has given Meituan about uh, 1.5 billion RMB of revenue, uh, but its cost uh, Meituan about 4.6 uh, billion. So, for every for every dollar that you get out, you're sort of losing three at, in, in this in in this present context, which is which is which is not a good uh, which is not a good sign. And ultimately, I think. Uh, Meituan will have to make a call as to whether or not it wants to continue with the transport or the mobility play or whether it just wants to focus um, on its food delivery uh, business and and some of the extensions of that, like its um, uh, SaaS solution for restaurants.
1: Yeah. So um, in terms of like Meituan, so like, like, you know, er like earlier we were talking about um, how Meituan originally really started out just as a delivery service, but then they've sort of gone into everything. Like you said, they've gone into mobility, they've gone into hotels and travel services. And, you know, even Alama is also going into delivering other, uh, I mean, providing other sort of local services. So what exactly, why are there, why is there this push towards, you know, enabling people to either like reserve, make a reservation at a restaurant and then go there and sit in an offline restaurant and eat or have the choice to Order online and have the food at, you know in the comfort of their own home. What what is the big bigger play here?
0: Uh, I think there's I think there's a couple of of big picture uh, pieces of thinking that sit behind this infrastructure. Um, one in terms of the delivery infrastructure itself. I mean, there's a lot of possibilities when it comes to uh, the on demand doesn't necessarily have to be the food delivery, but it can be on demand anything. So when I think of Erlama's um, logistics network. Uh, it's got about 3,000 distribution centers around the country. And at the moment, it's doing um, not only on-demand food delivery, but it's doing on-demand grocery delivery. So um, uh, the logistics network that's behind Erma also dispatches grocery orders for uh,
1: Alibaba's uh, Homa supermarkets. What exactly is a Homa supermarket?
0: Oh, right. Uh, so uh, a HOMA supermarket is a supermarket um, which is... Uh, it combines both online and offline orders in the same store, so uh, you can walk in and you can buy your groceries just as you normally would, but also you can order groceries online from the um, the supermarket uh, that particular supermarket and have them delivered either same day or next day.
1: So that sounds like a big part of Alibaba's new retail push, or at least that that's what they're calling it—like this integration of uh, online and offline retail.
0: Yeah, that's right. So um, Huma was uh, one of Alibaba's first forays into offline retailing. Um, They've extended Huma to about 100 shops across uh, China's different cities. And um, based on its financial results last year, it does very well. So in terms of the revenue that it generates per square meter, uh, it's about three to five times more. Than uh competitor supermarkets, and sixty percent of its orders in mature stores are coming from um, online rather than walk in. So it's been a uh, it's been a great success, and of course, part of that success, especially when you've got sixty percent of orders uh, coming online, is the ability to be able to deliver that, and that's where Erlama's logistics network comes in.
1: Um. So basically, do you see that for Meituan, they're also making a similar sort of play? for having it be either online or offline when it comes to food or local services?
0: Yeah, so uh, Meituan has always uh, championed the narrative of O2O, online to offline, and uh, that means the sort of the, the booking or the research is done online and then the consumer comes offline to eat um, and then trans- and, and then sort of flips back again to online to be able to pay. And so that's the sort of loop that they're looking to make. And as uh, in the process of building up their uh, vendor network, uh, they've also uh, started de- uh, developing a software as a service, a SaaS solution for restaurants to be able to understand food preferences, not only of their own customers, but also neighboring customers. So what um, uh, Madefine proposes to do is to be able to link up all of the restaurants that it has under its auspices and 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 arm them with this solution so that they can understand what their most popular menu item menu items are whether or not the food preferences of the neighborhood are changing, what average price points look like, et etc um, to be able to make their vendors uh, one uh, a little bit more informed in terms of uh their operations and two ultimately more efficient in terms. Of how how kitchens are run, how food is ordered in, and the like, so that's an exciting um venture that uh Meituan sort of uh has in the works at the moment,
1: yeah, so you know we know that Maitron listed last year, and since then really the share price has fallen something like close to twenty five percent since it uh it listed basically, do you think that Maitron is now really under a lot of pressure to really sort of focus on the kind of business? Uh, businesses that it it wants to it wants to continue developing and what what are the most likely businesses that it will focus on?
0: Yeah, sure. So in terms of uh, Meituan's performance, it hasn't been great. Uh, so there's been uh, the, the share price, as you said, has gone down. The losses are sort of keep stacking up. But I'm uh, relatively optimistic as to Meituan's, uh one its position in the market and its ability to. Um, be able to focus going forward. So let me dive into uh, both of those. In terms of its position right now, so Meituan is still the leader in terms of market share. It's done, I guess, uh, so in terms of uh, the users that it's generating, um, it's got it's had strong user growth all through the year. And uh, if we see that its marketing costs are going down as well, which suggests to me that it's not needing to spend as much on advertising and subsidies to be able to attract users to the platform, which, if you add all of those things together, suggests that it's winning, quote-unquote, against uh, Erlama that it's um, actually strengthened its position relative to
1: mate uh, Meituan is part of the Tencent ecosystem, like it's backed by Tencent, basically, right? Yeah, correct. So, I mean, my understanding is that then it's also easier for them to reach users because like as we know, Tencent's WeChat has something like over a billion users and with their mini programs, like their mini apps that you can open within WeChat, people can very easily sort of access Meituan and place orders.
0: Yeah, that's right. So you don't necessarily have to have the uh, Meituan app to use Meituan. You can, uh, in WeChat, you can go into the wallet function and then um, in terms of the third party services, uh, Meituan is is sitting right there. So it's one of those services that has got uh, i guess a fairly direct um link to uh to users via wechat uh in terms of how that sort of that traffic plays out the app versus uh the sort of um in wechat uh traffic i'm i'm not that i'm i'm not i'm not super sure in, in terms of how how it plays out but um what i do know is that uh uh Medfans, uh the number of users that it has on the platform just keeps uh, keeps continuing to grow and grow fairly strongly. So it's got uh, 400 million uh, users um, on the platform as of uh, quarter four, 2018.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's just that obviously with WeChat um, being, you know, this this, like I think when we think about super apps, we often bring up WeChat as the very first example, because obviously with WeChat, people use it as an everyday communication tool. And it's also helpful to have, You know, a bunch of services at your fingertips. If you, if you, if you do want to chat, I think for Alama they do sort of have like entry points in different, uh, in in like the 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 different Alibaba apps, such as uh, N Financials, AliPay.
0: Yeah, that's right. So again, uh, this is where the the ecosystem uh, comes back into it. The ability for not only these super apps themselves to be able to uh, retain traffic, but also to be able to flip them to um aligned services and and keep that traffic within either the Tencent or the Ali uh, or the Alibaba ecosystem. And I think that particular way of conceptualizing the internet and conceptualizing user traffic and how it moves um is is instructive for both Southeast Asia, South Asia and Africa as they move to Uh, develop and modernize their own internet ecosystem.
1: Yeah, you know, I mean, obviously at SCMP, when we cover uh, economies like um, Southeast Asia, we've also seen that a lot of Southeast Asian tech companies like Grab, for example, like the uh, ride-hailing app that's dominant in Southeast Asia, they've also sort of um, have said that they want to be an everyday app, which I guess is another way of saying super app. So I think for countries that are very, Uh, you know, where smartphone penetration is very high and they've leapfrogged that PC generation that the super app is really the way to go for them to access a variety of services.
0: Uh, Both apps are, so both um, Meituan and Eulama have uh, strongly built out their on-demand delivery capabilities. I think the big difference between the two is uh, how they're going to develop moving forward. Uh, I see Meituan putting a lot more effort and resources into its SaaS solution. So what that is, is that it equips uh, restaurant vendors that are on its own platform with a solution that allows them to be able to see how their restaurant is doing, what dishes um, are being ordered, what time of day customers are coming through, and optimize uh, their own supply chains as a result of that. So for instance, if... Um, we're seeing a lot more pork consumption for them to be able to um, be able to meet that demand, change the menu, etc., cetera, all more efficiently. So I think that's where One uh, is going to focus its uh, attention in the coming months. Um, in terms of Ulama, I see it being uh, a little bit more focused on e-commerce and, being su- and supporting Alibaba in uh, its overall um, e-commerce and new retail push.
1: Okay, so based on Meituan's latest earnings, we've seen that their operating losses had basically tripled in the third quarter. So, what does this mean for Meituan's sort of profitability moving forward?
0: Yeah, that's a great question. And it's the question uh, that's on everybody's mind at the moment as we look at the future of this super app. Look, uh, Meituan sort of breaks its. Uh, business into three chunks, the food delivery, the travel, and then the other initiatives. And if we look across those three, the thing that's causing it a lot of pain right now is the other initiatives, which include Mobike. Um, In terms of the food delivery and the travel, both are doing okay. So in terms of the the food delivery, um, food delivery profit margin increased from uh, 9.7% to 16% across uh, from seventeen, uh, from two thousand seventeen to two thousand and eighteen. So I think that that's a that's a good sign. Where um, the the hard work is is balancing, um, and it's a delicate balance between the sort of the commissions, the delivery fees, the driver efficiency, and the platform subsidy. Making that work um, for the food delivery element, but it uh, the cost of kind of like delivering a hot meal uh, from A to B. That activity in and of itself. Uh, meet one can uh, derive uh, some level of profit from that so that's 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 good um, and, and in terms of going forward if it's a little bit more delicate and a little bit more prudent about new initiatives uh, and it tightens the marketing spend then I think we can start to see um, meet one realize its full potential both not only as it's uh, a, an, an app but also Um, in investors' mind as an investment as well.
1: Thanks so much, Michael, for your time. I know you're a very busy man, so I will let you get back to it. I appreciate it. Thanks very much. Anytime. Bye-bye. So that was Michael Norris, everyone. He is a Shanghai-based consultant and he regularly, you know, shares insights about new retail. He analyzes companies like Baidu, Alibaba, Tencent, like Xiaomi, ByteDance and Pinduoduo and JD.com. So if you're interested in what he has to say, definitely go check him out on LinkedIn. If you would like to find me online, I am on Twitter at at Zensu, So that's Z-E-N-S-O-O. Also, if you're interested in our tech coverage, we are publishing stories daily. Come to scmp.com slash tech. Finally, if you're enjoying this podcast, and I hope you are, Please definitely rate us accordingly on iTunes, like five stars. You know, we are also available on Stitcher and Spotify. So definitely check us out there. Subscribe. We will be putting out new content, fresh content every week on Friday. Bye.